Hey everyone, welcome to Dan and Joe's Bowl Pick'em Spectacular, the 2022 edition. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. All right, so for those of you who haven't listened in the past years, what Joe and I will do is we pick the 25 last bowl games, and the loser has to wear a hat or a shirt of the team that is their biggest rival. They have the most hate for. In Joe's case, that would be Mississippi State. For me, that would be Alabama or Georgia. Last year, I lost, and I decided that Georgia was the team that I disliked the most that year. So I wore Georgia stuff, and my skin has not recovered from the fourth-degree burns that I had last year. So I'm hoping that I do not have to further score my body and that I win this year. And, Joe, uh, the beginning of this makes me worry because there's some games in here that are really tough to pick to begin with, mostly because I just don't know a whole lot about these teams. And the first one we got, Joe, is New Mexico State and Bowling Green. Who do you like in that one? I like Bowling Green. Um, mainly because New Mexico State has not been to a bowl game in forever. And I think that Bowling Green is more of a proven program. And Joe, I thought the same thing. I like Bowling Green in that one also because I think they're playing a better conference. You know, the MAC conference is one where, you know, they, they go out there and they play these horrible schedules out of conference. They get their teeth kicked in for the most part by really good Power 5 programs. But sometimes you see them go out there and they beat these Power Five programs. They're they're battle tested, and within their conference, I feel like they play a lot of really good teams. And you know, every now and then you'll have that Miami of Ohio, or in the past Marshall that comes through and has a really good season. And Bowling Green, I mean, that was where Urban Meyer got his head coaching start at, and I think he had like a ten win season there. And they've been times in the past where they've been really good. And I remember uh, the bowl tie-ins, the, the, the Mobile Bowl, you know, through all the iterations of its name, used to be a MAC team. And I remember we got to see Bowling Green a couple times, and they usually won when they came down here and played. They had a chance to make it to a BCS Bowl, I think, in 2012. Maybe if they'd beaten Northern Illinois, they could have gone instead of them to the Orange Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Northern Illinois, that's one that's been really good in the past. And I think you're right about that. All right, Joe, the next one we have is another one that uh, you know involves some of these teams, and there's a MAC team involved. And this is Georgia Southern and Buffalo. And, of course, Buffalo is a program that has you know, led off to uh, some really good coaching uh, careers, like Turner Gill, who ultimately became the Kansas coach, was the coach at, at Buffalo. They had a really good basketball program. That's where Nate Oates, who's the head of the number four-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide basketball team, was there. Um, and then Georgia Southern, of course, has been really good at first at the FCS level, winning national championships. And they've been really good in the Sun Belt, uh, you know, springing upsets on teams like, you know, Florida. And and I think they might have been Mississippi State one time, too. Um, and, you know, right now, Georgia Southern has one of the most high-profile high you know, coaches you could possibly have for a team at that level. They have Clay Helton as their head coach, who, of course – was the uh, the head coach at USC for a very long time. And one who, you know, he got hated on a lot when he was at USC, but he had some good years. And, I mean, if you were the head coach at USC for eight years, that's an accomplishment. Absolutely, Dan. And I think I'm going with Georgia Southern in this game. I just think, you know, similar to what we were talking about with Bowling Green for the MAC, I think in this matchup, um, Georgia Southern comes from a deeper conference in the Sun Belt. I think they've been tested, and I also like the coaching experience too. 
Yeah, Joe, I like what Clay Hilton's done. He's having a good first year. I mean, he beat uh, he beat Nebraska, and that was kind of the nail on Scott Frost's head. I mean, he was he was probably going to get fired at the end of the year anyway, but when Clay Hilton came out and beat him at Georgia Southern with all the negative press that Clay Hilton had as the USC's head coach, that was Dunzo's for Scott Frost. I think he actually was fired the next day. Mm-hmm. Right. But, Joe, this has been uh, the year of the fun ball. I mean – I think that in the 12-team playoff, that maybe Troy would have had a chance to get into a 12-team playoff with as good as they were this year. And this is by far the best we've seen the Sun Belt. Yeah, having South Alabama with uh, double-digit wins, too. Absolutely. Uh, And so, Joe, uh, you know, moving on to the next game, I also like Georgia Southern. Like I said, I think the Sun Belt makes you battle-tested. The next game we have – is this is another team that maybe if we'd had the 12-team playoff back in 2020, they probably would have made it. But another good year last year. This year has been a little bit of a drop-off for them, and we're talking about Coastal Carolina, and they're taking on East Carolina, who's a team that began the year really strong. They they had NC State dead to rights, but then, of course, their kicker missed one of the most awful field goals I've ever seen and ended their chances at having a huge upset. But East Carolina had a pretty good year. They they lost some tight games and what is a very good I think they're in the AAC. And you know, they're they're a program that is, is pretty close to beating a lot of good ones. Right. It, this feels like a game that should be more of a natural regional rivalry, but I don't know how often these teams play each other. But I think for this game, I'm going with East Carolina. Um, I look at you know the fact that they've been pretty solid this year overall. Um, they've given some teams a scare in the Power Five. And then also I think that the departure of uh, – I'm not sure if the quarterback or um, coach, you know, uh, Coastal Carolina will be here. And so I think that makes a big difference. Joe, that's the reason I like East Carolina in this game is Jamie Chadwell took the Liberty job. He's replacing Hugh Freeze at Liberty. And uh, Grayson McCall has entered the transfer portal which to me would suggest he's probably going to pull a Caleb Williams and follow uh, Jamie Chadwell to Liberty, kind of like what Caleb Williams did with Lincoln Riley. Uh, but, I mean, I think Grayson McCall could has plenty of suitors. I think there's teams in the SEC that would consider using him. I mean, I think that maybe even Hugh Freeze at Auburn, I think Grayson McCall would be a great player at Auburn based on the kind of system that Hugh Freeze runs. So I'll be interested to see what kind of looks Grayson McCall gets because he got injured, I think, more like the eighth game of this year and got knocked out for the rest of the season, and that kind of derailed Coastal Carolina. But the guy's been prolific there for, what, I think four years already. Mm-hmm. I think they were undefeated maybe up until he got hurt. Absolutely. So that'll be an interesting transport portal quarterback to watch. Um so far, Joe, you and I are all on the same one. I think this usually there's not many, you know, departures that you and I have. But we'll see. Next one we got is Memphis and Utah State. This was a tough one for me because, uh, you know, Memphis is kind of having a down year. Like, they're, of course, they're in the, the AAC, which is a really strong conference. Uh, had a BCS – or in BCS. Yeah, a CFP team in, in Cincinnati last year. Uh, they got Tulane this year, which is good, and UCF. Um, and Utah State, uh, they play in the Mountain West, which hasn't had their strongest year. And Utah State – isn't quite what we saw in the past with Jordan Love. Uh, what do you think about this one, Joe? Yeah, you know, I think about Utah State. I've seen their, you know, 
school would go to the March Madness before in men's college basketball. So outside of, you know, Jordan Love being there, I've never thought about them as much in football. And I feel like even though it's been a little bit of a down year for Memphis, I've got to give them the edge in this game. I just don't think I can pick against Memphis against uh, Utah State. Joe, the biggest memory that I ever have of Utah State as a football program was I referenced, uh, you know, Auburn, of course, in 2013 when they played for the national championship and lost in the last seconds. The very first game they had the next year – no, I'm sorry, this was after they won the national championship in 2010. So the very first game they had the next year in 2011, they played Utah State at home. And Auburn, fresh off winning the national championship against uh, Oregon, everybody's all thrilled with Gene Chizik. Utah State comes into Auburn, and they're beating Auburn, I think, uh, by – they were beating by 13 points with, like, three minutes left. Auburn scored a touchdown with, like, 50 seconds left. Had to kick an onside kick at home, recovered it, and they were able to score a touchdown and win the game. But that Utah State team, I mean, uh, we were all sweating bullets because Auburn never lost to a team like that before. And, you know, it was one thing that, that I will say in terms of non-conference, I don't think Auburn's ever really lost to a team like Utah State. And they've had some really close calls, including Georgia State last year, but that was the one that was probably the closest they even had to do the onside kick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, they have some uh, history there, you know, of uh, definitely uh, showing up and, and making it close. Um but I'll give the edge to Memphis. I also think that, you know, Memphis's coach was on the hot seat a lot this year, and it looks like he's going to keep his job. And I think that there's going to be some motivation there, too. Yeah, I think so, too. And one thing I'm going to look at is you always know that Memphis is going to have really good athletes. They're going to have the players that were not quite good enough to get an SEC offer, or maybe they did get SEC offers and maybe something happened at an SEC school and they had to transfer to Memphis to be closer to home. And so, very few times you see teams that go up against Memphis that have a clear talent gap against them. So, a lot of times it's just the motivation of the Memphis, the game plan. And so, I got to think there's going to be a substantial talent gap in Memphis's favor in this game, and I expect Memphis to win this. And, you know, I'm with you too. The Memphis coach has a lot of uh, impetus to win this game. Right, right. All right, Joe, speaking of impetus, moving on to this next game, this is one where – one could argue they're going to be two of the most sad uh, sack teams that are that don't have much motivation at all, and that this might be one where you see a lot of players opt out and it could be a general snooze fest compared to what these programs expect to go into the season, and that's the guaranteed rate ball between Wisconsin and Oklahoma State. What do you think about this one? Yeah, that's a really tough one. You think about Wisconsin in the midst of coaching change, um, and you look at Oklahoma State, yeah, it was tough this year for Oklahoma State. You know, not only do you lose Bedlam, but, you know, you've had games this year where you were just blown out after being ranked, like, in the top ten, looking like you had another chance to maybe make it to the playoff after last year's blown opportunity. I'm going to say, Dan, that Wisconsin wins this game. Okay. And it's largely because I think that even though they had – an up-and-down season, I think there's a little bit more momentum for them getting a new coach right now. I think the players can be kind of excited um, about kind of where the program's going, whereas Oklahoma State, I feel like that excitement level has kind of uh, hit a little bit of a stall because it's like if we can't make it to the playoff with how we've played the last two years, is it ever going to happen? Okay. 
Well, Joe, this is going to be our first one where you and I have separate picks. I like Oklahoma State in this game. Mike Gundy has proven himself to be a very good uh, bowl coach. He's one of the ones that tends to get his players up for bowl games. I think the fact that they've had a disappointing season is going to make him even more so want to go out and achieve well in the bowl game. I mean, just think back to last year. Uh, they had the the huge disappointment of being a nose of the football short, of beating Baylor and making the college football playoff. And then they take on a red-hot Notre Dame team, and they get down, I think it was 21 points, right, Joe, in the first half. And they come back and beat Notre Dame in Marcus Freeman's first game. And that's just what I think about with this Mike Gundy program is that, you know, he never seems to quite get to the mountaintop, but when he takes that, you know, when he takes that pickaxe in the face and falls off the mountain, he quickly starts ascending it again. And so I look for this to be a game where they come back. This might be Spencer Sanders' last game, and I think that uh, Oklahoma State gets another bowl win for, for Mike Gundy. It's definitely going to be a very uh, intriguing game because it, I think most people will say it's hard, you know, to know what will happen. Oh, I, th- I think, yeah, I think so. I think this is definitely going to be definitely one of the more interesting games in the early uh, bowl pool slots. Uh, Joe, this next game that we have right here, the military bowl, this is a fascinating game to me, especially when you consider the history of at least one of the coaches involved in it. And this is the UCF and Duke game. So we have Gus Malzahn coaching UCF, fresh off a real beat down by Tulane that prevented UCF from making a uh, you know New Year's Six bowl game. And meanwhile, you have Duke, who's in their first coach, uh, first year of head coach Mike Elko, who was great defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. And I think he's gotten Duke to eight wins with wins over teams like um, they beat Vanderbilt. I think they, they might have beaten Wake Forest. Uh, North Carolina. I know. I know. I know they beat North Carolina, and it was a really good year for Duke in the ACC, and probably one of their best years since maybe even they had Steve Spurrier as their head coach. Yeah, it was a really impressive season. I mean, before the year, I heard previews where prognosticators, you know, were thinking, "Is this team going to win three games this year, four games? Like it was that bad." And so, I, I really think, you know. My heart, like I want UCF to win. I, I love, you know, John Rice Plumley, but I do think Duke probably wins. I think that Duke has a deeper roster. I think that uh, I could see a situation where Duke's defense kind of stifles Plumley, kind of puts him into a situation where he has to throw the football more than he wants to, more than he's comfortable with. And I think that Duke will kind of uh, be able to win a game that's a little bit lower scoring. Joe, I talked about the history in our last pick of Mike Gundy as being a great bowl coach. Well, on the flip side, Gus Malzahn has a history of being a terrible bowl coach. You look at his record, he doesn't win many of them. And when the when the, the, the hot seat gets turned up on him, he'll beat a bad team. Like, I think he beat Memphis when he was at Auburn pretty badly. And then he beat Purdue like 70-7 to the last year that Jared Stidham was there after Auburn didn't meet expectations. But I've noticed a trend, and one of these games includes UCF, where Gus loses the game that maybe gives him a chance to have a great season, and then he goes out and he loses to a team like UCF when Auburn almost made the college football playoff in 2017. Of course, he had that embarrassing loss to UCF that gave UCF their mythical national championship. And it wasn't just that one. I mean, Benjamin's first year, uh, when Auburn had a really great regular season, it was pretty close to being a, considered a playoff team that year. They went on the Boston, Minnesota in a bowl game. 
And you can just count the amount of times that Gus did this, including an initial championship game against Florida State where he didn't win it, you know. And I think that his team, they got this close to making a New Year's Six game. They ended the season on a real sour note, not just losing to Tulane in the AAC championship game. Think about that game that they lost to Navy, and that was them coming off beating Tulane to get themselves in the driver's seat. I think you got two programs that are heading in different directions, at least for this season. Duke's going to be excited. This is a big opportunity for him. I think UCF's going to look in all the Tulane playing, uh, you know, Tulane's playing in the Peach Bowl, the I think, and the Cotton Bowl. They're going to look at Tulane getting to play in Jerry World with a chance to take on USC, and they're just not going to be excited about this game. Meanwhile, Duke, first year, Great defensive coach and Mike Elko, who we noticed his departure at Texas A&M this year. When you look at the way A&M's defense went versus where it was, and this Duke team is going to be really excited about this opportunity. And I like Duke to win this game also. Yeah, I think those are all uh, solid points. And yeah, going with Duke. All right, Joe. This next one to me, this is one of the more fascinating ones on the bowl pick. We're starting to get some really good ones. We got the Liberty Bowl with Kansas and Arkansas. I mean, talk about a, a team that's going to be excited to be in a ball game alone as Kansas, and then to get a marquee opponent in Arkansas. And meanwhile, Arkansas got to be a disappointing year for them. You know, they they had the year last year where they rose up, they got to nine wins, they beat Penn State in the bowl game, and then this year everyone's like, you got KJ Jefferson back, you got Rocket Sanders back, you bring in Jaden Hazelwood at wide receiver. This Arkansas team. They should be a team that maybe is going to finish in the top 10, top 15, maybe have a chance at the SEC West. And they started off good, and then they had that game against Texas A&M where they ultimately ended up being one of only two SEC teams to lose to Texas A&M. And when that happened, Arkansas hit the doldrums there in the middle of the season. Now, they recouped a little bit and almost beating uh, LSU and, of course, and and really beating the brakes off of Ole Miss. But they end the season at – Seven and five, or was it six and six? They lost to Missouri in the season. They might have ended up being six and six. They were, yep. And so you look at a team that was preseason after they beat Cincinnati. They got in the top ten after beating Cincinnati, and they ultimately finished six and six. And meanwhile, Kansas, of course, they got to host their first game day. They got ranked in the top twenty-five. Now they suffered a pretty rough end of the season. I think Texas beat them fifty-five to fourteen. Kansas State beat them by 20 points. And so this is a fascinating game to me, Joe. I mean, you know, you would say, looking on paper, Arkansas is going to have the better players, uh, you know, especially K.J. Jefferson being healthy again now. Kansas State's going to have the motivation. And, Joe, where does that leave you? Yeah, well, you also do worry to some degree about opt-outs, too, you know, for Arkansas. But I think where it leaves me, though, Dan, is I'm going to give the edge to K.J. Jefferson in Arkansas because of K.J. Jefferson. I just think, you know, if he's playing in this game, the offense is going to do enough. You look at, you know, the schedule that Arkansas played in the regular season, I just think they're going to be more prepared for this game. You know, Kansas was a great story, um, you know, for the first five or six weeks of the season, but they kind of fizzled out. And I know that Arkansas was up and down all year, but – I don't know. I just feel like I have to go with an SEC team in this matchup. Yeah, Joe, I like Arkansas in this too. I mean, I read out some relative results to you. Kansas State beat them by 20. Texas beat them by 41. And that's the one that really sticks out to me. Because why? Because Texas has B. John Robinson, who's a great running back. 
Arkansas has got Rocket Sanders, who's not quite as good as Bijan Robinson, but he's also very good. And at the end of the season, you know, Kansas just got the brakes beat off by him by a lot of teams. Oklahoma, who had a rough season, beat him pretty badly. Then, you know, of course, you have the Texas game and then the Kansas State game. And one of the things that Texas and Kansas State have in common, they're both very good rushing offenses. B. John Robinson for Texas, Deuce Vaughn for Kansas State. And I think that Arkansas mixing a run with K.J. Jefferson and Rocket Sanders, I don't see Kansas stopping it. So I like the Razorbacks in this one. This one might not even be very close. I, I could see it playing out that way. All right, Joe, the next game. Here's another one uh, that has teams that were pretty close to achieving some great goals but really kind of fell apart at the end of the season. And this is North Carolina and Oregon. So, of course, Drake May was someone who was a borderline Heisman finalist for much of the year. And then they closed the season uh, losing three games in a row. They got beat by Clemson really bad in the ACC championship game. I think it was Georgia Tech beat them, too. I mean, and so this was a team that had one loss going into that stretch and then ultimately couldn't get the job done. And meanwhile, Oregon was, you know, had their awful loss to Georgia to begin the season. Uh, everyone writes him off. Then suddenly Bo Nix goes crazy for, what, seven games in a row, gets himself in the Heisman Trophy conversation. They lose a game to Washington in the last seconds with a controversial call on whether there was a catch on the sidelines. And, you know, Oregon loses out on being in the CFP. They still have a chance to make the Pac-12 championship. But then uh, Bo goes to Corvallis, Oregon, and takes on the upstart Beavers. And Oregon State uh, makes a huge comeback against the Ducks and ends up winning. And so, you know, now Oregon doesn't even make a you know Rose Bowl or a New York Six game. And so this is going to be an interesting game as to, you know, who's excited to be here and what are they going to do with it? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, and it makes it really tough to pick. I think I'm going with Oregon in this game. Um, I feel like even though they lost Oregon State, you know, they jumped out to that big lead through three quarters, and it was a really close finish to the end. They had a chance to get a touchdown. Whereas North Carolina, not only did they lose the last couple of games, I felt like they kind of largely fell flat, especially with how they went out against uh, Clemson. Yeah, Joe, North Carolina has been the shell of itself the last month of the season. Losing to Georgia Tech, a team who fired their coach, is embarrassing. And then coming off Clemson, coming off getting losing to South Carolina for the first time, off getting killed by Notre Dame, Clemson went out there and destroyed them with the backup quarterback. Uh, I think Oregon is a team that's much more talented than North Carolina. Uh, I love Gene Chizik for winning the national championship at Auburn. I got to know him when I was there. He's a great man. His defense has not been very good for North Carolina this year. And I think Bo Nix and a very talented Oregon offense is going to be able to name their score against North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And then you got Dan Lenning is the uh, you know coach at Oregon, always has good defenses. That's right, Jay. Well, sticking with this theme about excitement, uh, Ole Miss takes on Texas Tech. And you and I talked about it in our last segment. I really wish it had been Mississippi State playing Texas Tech because with the Mike Leach connection, that would have been a much more interesting game. Um, Joe, Ole Miss has three losses in a row in the season. It was all the controversy with Lane Kiffin about whether he was going to go to Auburn or whether he was going to stay, all the distraction it caused. He ends up losing the Egg Bowl, too. And now they're sitting here in the Texas Bowl – and, frankly, not against a very exciting opponent. Meanwhile, Texas Tech had a pretty good year 
And I think it's the second year of their head coach, uh, Sonny Cumbie, who actually is also a Mike Leach uh, tree coach. Um, and Texas Tech had a big win over – they had wins over Houston and Texas this year. They had a home win over Texas, which is a big upset. So, Joe, who, what do you think about this game with Texas Tech and Ole Miss? I'm leaning towards Ole Miss um, largely because of Judkins. I think he's going to be a matchup problem for Texas Tech. And then also I think that as frustrating as the end of the season was for Ole Miss, you know, with questions maybe somewhat about motivation to a degree, I do think that objectively Lane Kiffin is as good as anybody at putting together uh, scripted plays and a game plan. And you give him a month to do that. I think that he's going to kind of catch Texas Tech off guards and get some get some big plays. But a couple of tidbits I wanted to throw in. I, I actually forgot to mention, early, mention earlier. We we're talking about Mike Leach. Did you know that when he was at Texas Tech, he actually swept Eli Manning as a head coach at Texas Tech, beat him two years in a row, I believe, um, which is crazy. And then the other thing that's weird about this game is uh, Ole Miss has now played Texas Tech more times since, like, 2000 than they've played Tennessee in the SEC. That's a very strange stat, Joe. I do, like, in my mind, remember Ole Miss playing them in bowl games a whole lot for some reason. And I'm not sure why that is. And just yeah. them having this be the opponent again. That's a crazy stat right there. And they played them, ironically, that year of the Crabtree Herald. Uh, touchdown. They played him in the Cotton Bowl that year. Yeah, that was with um, uh, what was the name of that that Ole Miss quarterback? He's the one who died tragically recently, and he was such a good quarterback for Ole Miss for that one season. Jevin Sneed. Jevin Sneed, yeah, because I remember he came in the next year being the uh, the proposed uh, proposed number one overall draft pick, and he didn't quite have the year that everybody was expecting. Right. Right. Joe, I'm going to lean Ole Miss on this one. Uh, I think that Ole Miss is a much more talented football team. I think that Texas Tech is going to be excited and they're going to play up, and they're probably going to have a lot of fans fans there. But I feel like Lane Kiffin's proven himself to be a very good bowl coach. Now, I know they lost the game against Baylor last year, but that had so much to do with the Matt Corral injury. I mean, I think that was the single biggest factor in that game. And I think that he himself is going to have a lot to prove. He's got a lot to prove to Ole Miss fans right now. Uh, he's got a lot to prove to himself. And I think that he's going to have this game be turning over a new leaf to begin the next season. I like Ole Miss to win this game, but in a close one, and I would not be shocked if Texas Tech wins this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. I think it's a big game for Lane Kiffin to try to get the fan base behind him heading into the next season. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing he needs to do is he needs to get the Ole Miss fans back on his side who, you know, his his attitude and his his decision-making, I think it's turned off a lot of people, and now he's just got to gotta get them back. Right, exactly. All right, Joe, the next one we have uh, is a tale of teams that, you know, kind of started off the season really hot. People started thinking maybe they could do something, and then they had real doldrums at the end of the year, and that's Syracuse and Minnesota. And, Joe, what do you think on this? Do you see another row-the-boat victory, or do you see uh, Dino Babers getting a big bowl victory for the Syracuse Orange? I'll go with the, the row-the-boat in, uh, in Minnesota in this game. I think they pulled this out. Yeah, Joe, I like Minnesota in this game, too. You know, they only lost games against good opponents. They lost a close one to Iowa, a close one to uh, Illinois. 
and they lost to Purdue in a pretty tight game. And the only team that really just curb stomped them was Penn State. And Penn State is a very good football team. In my mind, I think they're one of the top seven or eight teams in all of college football. And Minnesota's got a good defense. Uh, they still have uh, Mohamed Ibrahim at running back. And I think Syracuse is a good story, but, man, they fell apart when they started not playing good anymore. So I like Minnesota to row the boat on this one. Yep, agreed. Plus, P.J. Fleck has proven himself to yet again be a very good bowl coach, so that favors him as well. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe, this next one coming up right here is, in my mind, the biggest mismatch in all of the bowl season. And if I were to, you know, have my lock of the bowl season, it's this one. Oklahoma and Florida State. I would bet the mortgage on Florida State in this one. Florida State's playing great football. They come off their – First victory over uh, Florida in a while. Mike Norvell seems to really have turned things around. Jordan Travis is coming back. They have uh, Johnny Wilson, one of the best wide receivers in college football. Meanwhile, I didn't even know that Oklahoma had won enough games to make a bowl game. And, uh, of course, really rough first season uh, for them with, um, you know, with uh, Brett Venables. And so what do you think about this one, Jay? I'm going with Florida State to win, but I do think this is a close game. I think that Oklahoma is the type of program when you have them in a bowl game, you just can't count them out. And you look at you know some of the games they won, you're know, beating Oklahoma State the way they did. I think that you know they're up for the matchup, but I think that Florida State has a team you know that's in better sync right now to pull off a game like this. Driving Florida State is, you know, in my mind, the prohibitive favorite to maybe win the, the the ACC next year. They're they're making such strides that I would look I look at them as a team that looks to be better on paper right now than Clemson is. Yeah, I mean that that's going to be you know the, the interesting thing next year for uh, for Norvell, you know, with those expectations. All right, Joe. The next one we have Texas and Washington in the Alamo Bowl. Of course, Washington had two really close losses back-to-back to Arizona State and to UCLA. But other than that, uh, they won the rest of their games and really began and ended the season well. And Michael Penix was someone who could have been a Heisman Trophy candidate. Meanwhile, Texas was this helter-skelter team that would play really good teams tight like Alabama and TCU. And then they would go and, you know, lose to a team like Texas Tech. But then they'd also do things like kill teams like Kansas State. So you never really know what you were going to get with Texas. And so, Joe, what do you see in this game with Texas and Washington and what could be Bijan Robinson's last game if he decides to play? Yeah, that, that's true. And, you know, another aspect is you have Steve Sarkeesian against uh, one of his former teams that he coached in Washington. You know, kind of funny how they always do these uh, matchups for that uh, underlying uh, intrigue. So Washington, Texas, I mean, I wanted to lean Texas, and I think I will. But, you know, Robinson's status is definitely something that's paramount. I think what concerns me about Washington in this game is with a team like Texas that can run the football, I always worry about matchups like that if you're a team like Washington that has a quarterback that throws it that many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., I think, led the nation in passing yards this year. He was, like, right up there. And I just worry about, you know, you get to a bowl game, and he might have to throw it 50 to 60 times. And to me, that's usually a recipe for inefficiency and probably some turnovers. And i got to think Sarkeesian – is personally motivated in this game. So I think Texas wins, and I think it also sets up a recipe for 
an off season of Texas trying to build up the hype once again. And Joe, Texas seems to be like the best team in America when it comes to bowl games to getting excitement for the next season from beating Georgia in a bowl game to beating Arkansas in a bowl game. They always seem to have these eight and four, seven and five years and then go out and play a really big name opponent and then win. And I think Washington is going to have so much trouble stopping the run game. We look at the way they lost to UCLA and Zach Charbonnet just can name his amount of yards against uh, Washington. And if uh, if Deshaun Robinson plays, then Texas definitely wins. But Texas is a really solid backup running back, too. And so I don't know that if, even if B. John Robinson uh, sits this one out, they still won't win. So I'm going to lean Texas on this one also. Okay. All right, Joe, the next one we have uh, is Maryland and NC State. What do you think on this one? Yeah, that's also a tough one. You know, didn't NC State's quarterback enter the transfer portal, Leary? He did. He got hurt for the for season and then he entered the transfer portal. That's right. I think with the quarterback situation, I'll go Maryland and Loxley uh, to win this game. Yeah, Joe, I really like what Tyler Tagovailoa did this year. Uh, he, he keeps being one of the better quarterbacks uh, in America. And I think Mike Loxley's really got a good steady improvement in what we're seeing in Maryland. Meanwhile, NC State had all the hopes. They were supposedly a dark horse CFP team this year. They didn't live up to those expectations. Dennis uh, uh, Devin Leary got hurt. And, of course, the end of the transfer portal, I see a lot more motivation in this game for Maryland making their first bowl game in a long time. So, I like Maryland in this game also. Okay. Um, Joe, the next one we have, also a game of teams that started off the season really hot with a lot of expectations but kind of fell down uh, the, the path. Uh, we got Pittsburgh and UCLA in the Sun Bowl. I think UCLA wins with their ability to run the football. And I don't know what the quarterback situation is looking like at Pittsburgh, so I'm going UCLA. Yeah, Joe, I like UCLA in this game also. They get a chance to give Chip Kelly his first 10-win season at UCLA. They didn't get to play in the bowl game last year, and I think that was a COVID-related thing. Um, you know, I think Zach Charbonnet is going to put on a show in this one. Pittsburgh hasn't quite been the same team since they lost uh, their quarterback that went to the Steelers. And I like UCLA and probably um, in their quarterback's last, you know, game ever. Uh, you know, he's been a guy uh, that had been there for so long. And I definitely like uh, UCLA to get their 10th win of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels more like a traditional bowl game for like an outgoing quarterback. Yeah, it does. It feels like kind of a uh, – Kind of a celebration for DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He's had a really up-and-down career at UCLA, but one that's just been there for a while and really made some vast improvements over his his time there. Right, right. All right, Joe, this next one, uh, Notre Dame and South Carolina. This is a very interesting game. Beamer ball coming off back-to-back big-time wins over Tennessee and South Carolina in the year. Meanwhile, Notre Dame uh, had a terrible beginning of the year. Came back and, you know, did some good things, uh, beat up on Clemson, but then ultimately got uh, handled by Caleb Williams and USC. Who do you like in this one? I like South Carolina. I wouldn't be shocked if Notre Dame won. You know, I think that I give a lot of credit to Freeman for, you know, they started out really porous, but that he did turn it around and right the ship. And oftentimes, you know, when you start out 0-2, the season kind of gets away and snowballs. So give them a lot of credit, but I just look at how well – um, South Carolina played down the stretch and the momentum that they have. And I got to think their fans are really excited about this game, too. 
I think so too, Joe. All right, we're going to go fast on these. Tennessee and Clemson. I'm going to go with uh, Clemson, and I think that their young quarterback is going to get a lot of momentum going, going into next year. All right, Joe, I like Tennessee. I think Joe Milton is the best backup quarterback in the country, the only one who started at three different places. I think Heifel's getting him primed for the next season. All right, Joe, Iowa and Kentucky, a.k.a. the Oddly Bowl. If there's more than 10 points scored in this game, then I will be shocked. Who are you liking this one? I think I'm going with uh, with Kentucky to find a way to win it. You know, they won the game against Louisville. I think they'll find a way. They have more offense, too. Okay, Joe, I like Iowa in this one. Iowa's traditionally a very good bowl team. You know my thoughts on Will Levis. Even if he plays, I don't think he's going to be very successful against a very good Iowa defense. And I think that you should choose to watch anything else on TV other than this because it's going to be terrible. I don't think he's playing. He's not playing. We're good. That makes me feel better about taking Iowa. Alabama and Kansas State. I think um, I think Alabama wins. It seems like a game where you pick Kansas State, but I think because it feels that way, I think Alabama wins it. Joe, I think that Kansas State is a very tough team. They play people great. We saw what they did at TCU. Um, this all really hinges on whether Bryce Young or uh, Will Anderson plays. But I like Alabama as well on this one because you don't really see Nick Saban lose these games very often. Yeah, I think he's tired of that that sugar bowl criticism, too. Absolutely. I agree. All right, Joe. Uh, last ones we're going to do, we're going to do the college football playoff, Georgia and Ohio State first. I have to go Georgia. You know, just the whole season, I think, speaks for itself with them. All right, Joe, last one. I also agree with Georgia. Uh, Mississippi State and Illinois. Oh, I'm going uh, Mississippi State. Like, I can't, I can't, you know, pick against them at this point. Me too. All right, Michigan and TCU, last one. Michigan, I, I think pretty convincingly. I think Michigan wins also. I want to thank everybody, uh, and I hate it for Jack, but I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. We catch all releases on Spotify. Look up the Dan and Joe Sports Show on Spotify. And you also follow our YouTube channel and subscribe to 